Hey everyone, this is Paul Kingsbury. Welcome to the Cutlass Podcast, where we provide fresh perspectives to help you become a more sturdy, versatile, incredible leader and manager. Engage with us online at cutlassleadership.com and like and follow my Facebook page. And send me your questions and topic suggestions to cutlassleadership at gmail.com. Enjoy this episode. In episode two of the Cutlass Podcast, I discuss the importance of responsibility, authority, and accountability, and the relationships between them. Of all of these, accountability seems to be the one I hear the most in need of improvement. Accountability can be defined as the state of being accountable, meaning responsible for something or obligated to answer to someone, such as a person with more authority or a boss. In this episode, I wanted to take some time to dive into the importance of accountability, to what extent do we embrace it, why we might tend to avoid it, and ways we can strengthen our own accountability. So it's my pleasure to welcome my colleague and former shipmate, retired Fleet Mass Chief April Beldo Lilly, to offer us her perspective and advice on this topic. April is a native of Lancaster, California, and entered the Navy in 1983. Following recruit training, she attended Aviation Maintenance Administration Mid-School and served several tours in the naval aviation community, including squadrons and aircraft carriers. In December of 2002, she was selected in the Command Master Program and graduated as an honor student of her senior enlisted academy class. She served tours aboard USS Bulkley, Recruit Training Command, Naval Service Training Command, as the first black female aircraft carrier CMC, Force Master for Naval Education and Training Command, and ultimately as the Fleet Master for Manpower, Personnel, Training, and Education. Following her retirement, she began work as the Director of Human Resources for Kent, Campa, and Kate Incorporated and serves as a secretarial appointee on the Department of Veteran Affairs Advisory Committee on Women's Veterans, and she holds a master's degree in management from American Military University. April, I'm excited that you've made some time to spend some time with me and my listeners. You know I would have loved to do this in person with you over coffee, but as you always say, we got this, so we're going to go forward in this forum. How's life treating you, and how are you doing? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to chat with you on your podcast. Congratulations. Thanks. Um, what you're doing. No, it's uh, it's definitely rewarding, and it's given me a great chance to reconnect with, like I mentioned, old uh, shipmates uh, from a long time ago and not so long ago. So thanks again for taking some time. What's been going on in your life lately? Well, I tell you, I um, relocated to um, San Antonio, Texas with a lot of my veteran shipmates. We're okay. all out here in San Antonio enjoying life. Awesome. Summers are hot, but they've made air conditioning, so that's not an issue. Yeah, I have the luxury of working from home, so I don't have to go out unless I really want to. But I am enjoying the transition. Been here since um, March of 2019. If you notice, you had to add a little extra on my na- last name. Yes. You know, after I retired, I decided, okay, it's a good time. So I've gotten married. So I've awesome. been married for a little bit over a year now. Yes, congratulations. And we're enjoying, we're enjoying both of us are re- enjoying retirement from the military, the Navy. But both of us have decided we're too young to just sit at home right now and do nothing. So we're both working. And it's it's rewarding. It is. Um, so congratulations on your retirement, uh, your marriage, and everything that you've been doing so far. I was As I was going through your bio such a such an impressive resume and such an inspiration for many of us and and those who know you will talk you know i think this is going to connect with them so when this uh, you heard the introduction when this topic came to mind of accountability it's a word we talk about but 
I've just found with the, not just this podcast, but leadership in general, we throw words mm-hmm. around, we throw mantras around. And, you know, sometimes the simplest approach is to just stop and go, what does that word mean? But she came to mind because I remember you frequently engaging with us and your audiences when you would see shortfalls in people either taking responsibility or with personal accountability. I know you're also a big fan of the concept of followership, and I'm going to do that topic uh, in an upcoming episode too. And anyone who knows you knows exactly what I mean. So let's start off a little bit by, uh, you know, it'd be cool to know what was your aha moment on accountability when it connected with you? And then why does this topic resonate with you so much? Very tough subject though, Paul. I will be honest with you and tell you that. And even though, as you have sort of um, so eloquently put I probably showed it well and did it well, but it was tough. It's tough. Yeah. And um, I, I think my aha moment was when we get put in positions when there are not only leaders, but followers, as you mentioned, relying on us to be committed to whatever the organization is or the squadron command is, ship is, yep. and um, to be trusted in a position that we've been placed in based on our our ability to show that we can lead. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So so I, I think my aha moment was as I think it is for a lot of our sailors is that first LPO position, you know, when you're when you're really in the seat, when you've been given a lot of responsibility, you've been put in charge of not only um personnel but equipment that cost a lot of money and, and precious lives mm-hmm. and then having to answer when things don't go quite as they are supposed to go. And that might not be your fault, but right. at the end of the day, you know, my aha moment was, you know, when I was in maintenance control and I was the only person in there and we had to move a, um, a plane out of the hangar bay. I was an AZ one. I remember this and I was in Brunswick, Maine. And um, first thing in the morning in the wintertime, it's icy out yeah. there. And the chief was running just a he was a little bit detained. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> detained he was running elsewhere. A little bit late, but that flight schedule still had to go off without a hitch. And I was there and um, made a decision as the, you know, first class and maintenance control that we have to at least start, you know, let's let's start something. Yeah. And um, of course, the aha moment was knowing that if this does not go as planned. P3 squadron, so big aircraft, you know what I'm saying? Props and, you know, widespread wings. If this does not go as planned, I am going to be held accountable for making a decision based on what I thought was my responsibility. I think that was it. And from that point on, in every other position that I was, um, you know, had the privilege to serve in, you know, it was that. It's that. It's knowing that People are trusting you because you show commitment to the job. You have others that, you know, you're responsible for, you know, not living human beings, but equipment too. In our organization, that's what we did in the Navy, right? Yes. And knowing that at some point we're going to make a mistake. And that's the only thing. I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, Excuse me. That's the other thing. I've made a lot of mistakes, Paul. Yeah. But I've learned from them. You know, you, you don't get... 20 plus years of going through any organization without making mistakes. So like I said, I am not perfect by any means. Has a lot of bumps. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm learning from every single one of them. Yes. And I think that's a large part of, you know, leaders being responsible and being held accountable 
by learning. You know, you have to learn. You can't keep making the same mistake. Yeah. And I think that's a key point. You know, the decision making is what it comes down to. So you're given, like I talked in that episode, hey, you got a responsibility. You're selected into a position. You're given responsibilities to fill in obligations based on what you've done in the past and your perceived potential to execute those. Um, you've probably got some experience. Uh, you know, you've got the requisite competence. You've proven your character. They give you authority. And what that authority gives you is the ability to make the decision. And the decision has outcomes. And when they're favorable, that works great. When not so mm-hmm. favorable, that's when the accountability comes in, right? And uh, I'll, I'll, I think we talk a little bit about the boss's role in this too in a little bit. But uh, so from your experience, you know, when you get into accountability, why do you think people or is there a tendency to avoid or dismiss it? Um, and if so, is it more of a, you know, hey, I've just delegated that off. It's not mine anymore. So it's a misunderstanding of what you still own when you delegate. Is it just a lack of character to accept responsibility for the decisions? Is it, hey, I've you know I've been assigned a responsibility or I've had to take on a responsibility like the case you've narrated that I don't really want or isn't mine and I'm just going to opt out? What's been your uh, kind of experience with, with that? I, I think, Paul, and this is just in my opinion, a humbled opinion, yep. is that sometimes we get so overwhelmed. And when I say we, if it's okay, I'm going to talk at the chief's level. Okay. And then, you know, and more senior chief, master chief, and on up the chain. We get overwhelmed with the responsibility that we have taken on. Now, there's a word. Yeah. Did you hear what I said? I said taken on. Because we have a choice, right? Especially when you get more senior. You can say, no, 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 I don't don't want to do that, you know? So when we make a choice to um, take on these these additional positions that carry a lot more responsibility, we get overwhelmed. And I think sometimes I have had to stop and reassess what the priorities are. And then when I do that, I have to be mindful and understand that as I make this list of priorities, you said something about the boss. They might not be aligned with the boss's priorities. He understands my responsibilities and, and he's going to give me a lot of, you know, navigation room there. But I need to be able to understand that here's what I believe would help the organization, would help the, the greater, you know, and not just easier for me as an individual, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and sometimes that, that can be overwhelming and we get distracted. Because we do end up delegating a lot of things because we have our plates full. I will own that. In um, more senior positions, your plate does get very full and we get distracted. And I'm not saying it's a negative distraction. It's just that we're distracted by so much going on and so much being on our plate. And then that's why we have this outstanding chief's mess. We start delegating things. But when we delegate it, that doesn't mean leave it alone. Right. It means that we're going to delegate it and then we're going to follow up on it. And then we're still going to own it. And what I mean by that, so when something does go awry or it's two o'clock in the morning or it didn't go as planned, I am the first one to step up and own it and own it. And I think sometimes, like I said, it's just it's confusion. It's overwhelming. There's a lot of stuff going on. And when something goes wrong, I believe we should own it and be prepared to be held accountable, whatever the circumstances are, because that's why we were put in that position and not be so quick 
to get frustrated with, golly, I wasn't even there and here we are. Okay. You're, you're right. You weren't there because you can't be everywhere, but own it. Own it. And I, I, I think we just forget that sometimes. Yep. Or we use the word so loosely that we really don't understand what it means to own it. Yeah. And I keep coming back again to it's owning the outcome of the decision regardless of the outcome, right? So Absolutely. delegation is a decision, right? So if I decide to delegate, ideally – you know, you delegate, when you delegate, you got to choose wisely because you're going to give people authority to make decisions on your behalf, but the responsibility is still yours and you will still be held accountable for the outcome of those decisions. And I think that point I brought up is there could be some that think, hey, I've delegated out the authority. So the responsibility and the accountability are going to be on that person, right? Don't come to me if it went wrong. I told you what you had to do. That's where the misplaced thinking happens, Right. The, the accountability still rests on you and then the accountability transfers up. So the people you report to are accountable to some, someone else for your performance, right? Absolutely. So, so that gets to the next point, right? Is I like to say accountability, you throw that a word around. I think a lot of people kind of start to blend it with discipline and punishment. Like I'm holding you accountable, but it starts with self, right? It starts for taking ownership for everything in your sphere of responsibility and the outcome of your decision, like we mentioned. In, in some cases, if your decisions are really bad and they have you know, not well thought out or you misdelegated, you will be held accountable by the people above you exercising their accountability. So that's kind of the perspective I see it from. Am I wrong? What's your perspective? And why is it under, important to understand this relationship between kind of accountability or the difference between accountability and discipline or punishment? I, I think with accountability – there will be some, like you said, when the outcome is not favorable, there might be a little discipline there and there might be some consequences. There's a word. Let's, let's use consequences. Yes, it's, I like it. Bit, the consequence is a little bit better than punishment and discipline. I believe for all of our actions, there are going to be consequences. Some of those consequences, you know, are not going to be as earth shattering as others. You know, it, yeah. it could just be a get out the way. I'll do it myself for a little bit of tongue lashing, yeah. old school tongue lashing. You know what I mean? But um, but I think what happens too, and, and it gets back a little bit to what we were talking in the last subject is if I'm not there, however, I've been an example for whoever I'm leading. Yeah. And they know how, how the expectations, you know, the expectations, how would I, we train those who we leave in charge when we're not there or, those that we do delegate something to, have we been an example for them to follow? So if I'm going to be a responsible um, command master chief, you know, uh, AZCM or whatever the case may be, force or fleet master chief, have I prepared my successors, right? Yes. Because, to, to, you know, I can walk out and I used to always think this and I would tell people, you know, I can walk outside and get hit by a car. Are you guys going to know what to do? Or is somebody going to be able to just step in based on my training? And, you know, we talked a lot about training the chief's mess over the last, you know, um, decade or so of making sure that we train our release. There's, okay, there's a cliche, right? That should not be a cliche. It really means that. Yep. Train our release. So when we are not present or when we delegate a job to somebody, they do it not the way April would do it, but the way that the Navy has set forth, that the command has set forth, that the instruction says to do it. 
Have I taught them that way? And I believe, Paul, when we do it that way, the outcomes of those, to your point, not wanting to shed the accountability or the responsibility for the position, it's a more positive outcome. And they understand what it is to be a responsible leader and also being held accountable based on the responsibility you've been given, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I get it. You know, I had jotted down the notes, you know, before we got uh, to talk and, you know, one of these things that matters is the receptivity of the boss or the supervisor to failure, right? So if, you know, this is kind of training your release to me, one of the best ways you do that, it's not just standing up and giving them lectures and training, it's delegating, right? It's giving them the opportunity having fully trained them, vetted them, selected them, and now you give them the position and the authority to make decisions, hopefully you've trained them enough to where, hey, any kind of failure they've got is not going to be catastrophic and they can learn from it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I think a big part of this, maybe they have a boss that's not very receptive to any kind of failure, right? So I could see that impacting my willingness to be accountable, right? Or a tendency to want to shed it. If I feel that, hey, if I make mistakes that are easily recoverable and part of a learning process and they're not treated that way, I could want to shed my accountability. To me, it's important as a supervisor, reflect on my role too in helping shape good habits of accountability. The Cutlass Podcast will return in a moment. For more than 100 years, naval professionals have counted on books such as the Chief Petty Officer's Guide to prepare them for the responsibilities as they advance in their careers and to serve as a ready reference and refresher when needed. The Chief Petty Officer's Guide provides unique insights into topics such as the one discussed in this podcast, which enable Navy chiefs and other leaders to achieve their objectives and positively influence their sailors, peers, and leadership. The Chief Petty Officer's Guide is essential and insightful reading for chiefs of any experience level, first-class petty officers who aspire to advance to chief, or anyone looking to reflect on the state of their leadership and management skills while benefiting from insights on the leadership and management approaches of U.S. Navy chiefs. Get your copy today at www.usni.org backslash books or online at your bookstore of choice. Signed and inscribed copies can be ordered at www.cutlessleadership.com. Now back to the Cutlass Podcast. And I agree with you. Um, and I think we're all going to run across because um, nobody likes failure. And no. I don't think that, you know, I mean, there's there's one thing to. To, I don't want to see us fail. So when somebody makes a mistake, you get really excited. And it's not because I didn't want you to make the mistake or it's not because you've made the mistake. It's because I just want us to be great in everything we do. However, the reality is, is people are going to make mistakes because we're all human. You know, even the best of us makes mistakes. And, you know, that goes to another level of responsibility when it comes to having to have that conversation with the boss. That's why we do all these workups. You know, that's why we do all this training to prepare for the the big exercise because we want to get all those little mistakes out of the way. And I'm not saying to the point where we are putting people's you know lives in jeopardy, but things are going to happen, boss. That you know, the, you know, they're they're not going to do the man overboard drill in nine minutes or less like yeah. you wanted to the first time. Okay, it's going to take us some time to get there because we're rusty, right? So you on the on the hangar bay, you know, jumping up and down and screaming and hollering, it's, it's not, it's not helping the situation, you right. know? So we have to be able to communicate that not earth shattering mistakes, but I'm, I'm going to, I have to learn. And in my, in my learning, I'm probably not going to do it right the first 
two or three times because there's a lot of steps to follow. So, so we have to be able to have that conversation. And then again, be tough enough. There's a word, Paul, here we go. Be tough enough to understand that when um, bosses and people in positions of authority get excited, we can't take it personally. What I mean by that is they're not taking it personally either. You know yes. what I'm saying? They, they are, you can tell that they're frustrated because they know the team can do better. Yes. And, we and, and not, not being demeaning yeah. in that, in that conversation with you guys are killing me, you know, yes. killing me, you know. I spent but, uh, a lot of time with commanding officers and commanders and you did too, right? This is one of the things I offered. I often had to advise on, right? It was like, Hey, be mindful of your response here. Cause you're, you know, you risk spooking the herd and kind of, you need to calm here a bit. You're being a little over, over the top, right? At the same time, going down and explaining to the rest, like, Hey, he or she will walk off. You know what I mean? They'll calm down. You know what I mean? Give them some time to calm down. Let's reapproach this thing. So I saw a lot of that helping manage those difficult situations as Kamehameha Chief. Yeah. And, and knowing that when you're put in these positions of um, greater responsibility and authority, if you're wanting to do it right, you do become very passionate yeah. about whatever it is, whatever the tasking is. And because you want the whole team to come out, you know, looking um, good. Yeah. But that sometimes that's very bumpy road to get to, though, you know, and, and yes. a lot of feelings are hurt. They're, you know, feelings get hurt. It, it is what it is. My feelings have gotten hurt. I mean, I've taken a lashing from the XO and CO like the best of them and <laughs> had to go to birthing for a minute or two to get it together. Right. And then come back like, you know, I got it, sir or ma'am. Yep. I got it. Okay. Here's what we should do or here's what we're going to do or here's what the chief's message is going to help with. But when you talk about accountability, that's also part of it to me. And this is just me again, is being able to take one for the team. Don't get on the chief's mess. Get on the CMC. Okay, you know what I mean? Yep. Because again, it's my responsibility as um, that person in that position to be the voice of or the voice for. And you know, and sometimes you you, you got to take that that butt being chewed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like a champ, and knowing knowing that you're probably right. Yep. But sometimes it's not the time to say that. You know, so that accountability piece is, you know, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to let you talk to me right now like that and then we're going to go our separate ways and to your point like you said and then after we've calmed down we're both going to come back and it's not it's not only my responsibility but i'm accountable for the whole command and making sure that you understand that that's that's not right that's not right and if you look in the book see something we want to be shooting from the hip (laughs) sir you can't do that just because you can't do that sir yeah. You know, you need to bring them some substance. And because, and again, we're accountable to make sure that they don't lose their job. How about that being yeah. a big, huge weight on our show? Because, I, I mean, I firmly believe that I am only as good as, you know, the whole team. And if the boss, you know, gets, you know, in a little bit of trouble or if any of the chief's mess gets in a little bit of trouble, I feel a lot of responsibility for that. Yeah. Because in all our roles, we're uh, we're executing our individual responsibilities and objectives, but at the same time, we're always leading up, right? We're influencing decision making, right? And we're you know one thing we got to do, right? We got to help our bosses make the best informed decision they can, right? So they don't get held accountable. And to the other point you made, right? That's that kind of thing we talked about all the time: is hey, when team does well, 
the praise goes to the team. When team drops the ball, right, this is the accountability piece. You take it, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, you're accountable for their performance. That's a part of that scope of accountability. Let's talk about seniority and accountability. So as we progress in seniority, things can change. Like for you and I, we got into these positions of, you know, what I would call privileged autonomy, right? Where we could come and go. We were on a create our own schedules, not a like direct report per se. You know, we work for people, but um, we had a lot of latitude to come and go as we wanted to. Um, so does seniority impact or risk a person's feelings of obligation or accountability? Um, and can you give some examples on where you've seen that done well or not so well? Well, first of all, the, like you said, the more senior you get in your positions, the more accountable you are for things not working out as they should yep. if they don't work out, right? Yes. And things uh, that you, you can't have, control, right? That's the right, frustrating Right. A lot part. of territory, right? Yes. You, you know, you're you're sitting on the, you know, West Coast and somebody overseas did something and, you know, you're getting, you're having to deal with that conversation and be brought into that conversation. Yep. Um, and that's really where I believe it becomes tough to um, keep your eye on the ball, for lack of a better word, with regards to what your purpose is. It's like you said, you're all over the place because your area of responsibility is also all over the place. Um, So it's easy. It is very easy to get frustrated and caught up in. I, I surely you're not asking me to explain that behavior, sir. You know what I mean? Yes. I mean, it's really easy to want to um, not be held accountable. Yep. Right. I mean, I was 10,000 miles away. Right. And you're wanting me to excuse me. Um, but I do. Again, we choose to take on all this extra responsibility and we enjoy it. As you said earlier, when things are going great, we really enjoy it. But when they're not going so great. Um, it's easy to um, let some of it fall by the wayside. Yeah. And you have to, you know, know, again, that's your scope of, you might, you know, it's not very direct, but that scope of influence in that area of responsibility, as we call it, is broad and wide. Um, Mm -hmm. And it gets back to, you know, you're being basically when things go bad down the chain of command, the higher level leaders are being held accountable because obviously they're not wielding their influence through their chain of command, right? They are not setting the tone that's translating down in the way they want to. Uh, and that's why that stuff comes up. Uh, I, I think that's an important it, it, thing for people to reflect on. Paul, and I know it's hard when you do have a vast area of responsibility, but um, words matter. Words do matter. And, and, and how you say things and, and when you're able to be present, you know, how you interact. And it goes back to how people see you. And I don't mean how they really see you, what you look like, but what influence do you leave behind when you leave the room? When you walk into the room, what is your presence? Do they really believe that you uh, are about their business and not just your own business, if that makes sense? Again, we get distracted. We can get distracted and we can find ourselves in a situation where we are being held more accountable because we're unaware of what's really going on. Yeah. I believe that's a very um, dark place to be, you know, when you're being held accountable for things that you don't even know about. And again, because you've got so distracted by this shiny object yep. over here, 
that you forgot about all the other stuff that's going on. And, and I believe that's, that's um, detrimental and to leadership. Yeah. So this is important about, this is like personal organization and time management skills, right? Is making, building that time to pulse these things that you are ultimately responsible for and will be held accountable for, right? So you do stay informed, right? So mm-hmm. either you're pulsing or you are requiring reporting at some regular interval to stay informed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's good advice for any leader or manager to think about, especially when you get higher up in the organization and you've got less direct day-to-day impact and influence on your team. So so one resource I think – I read this recently. There's this thing called an accountability partner – I don't think it necessarily has to be a person, but I think you got to have some process like I just mentioned. But um, So it's basically these tools or these reporting mechanisms you can use to keep yourself he- healthy in your accountability department. So I give the example like – and you'll connect with this, right? Being a flea mass chief, I'm out and about. I still made myself – my accountability um, to my admiral or my captain would, hey, I'm going to send regular updates out, right? Either in person, once a week if I could get time at the higher levels, but definitely an email with, hey – Boss, here's where I'm at. Here's what I'm after. Here's what I've accomplished. You tasked me to do this. Here's where I'm at. You know, or hey, falling short on this, but here's my plan to get better. What did you do? What's your advice when you're operating in those roles? What tools do you use, or people did you use to help keep you accountable? I think, um, like you said, that that weekly report. You know, I had the luxury of having a lot of access to all my bosses. And I know everybody doesn't have that. So that's why I said it definitely was a luxury for us making time once a week to just sit down. You know, we had our coffee break per se to have a conversation and everybody doesn't get to do that now. And I get it, but making, like you said, a, a tickler, I use, you know, who I would use, I would use the, um, the flag writer, Yeah. you know, again, because I have relationships and, and, and you know what I mean with these people, you, a lot of relationships is important when you get into these positions you're talking about is relationships, forming relationships. You know, I, I realized at, you know, as I got more senior that less people really did work for me, yes. you know, <laughs> they did because they worked for other people that were more senior to me. And I understood that, but I used to always make sure that the front office and, and I use that as whether it was the EA when he got a time or, and he would come and talk to me sometimes just to, you know, say, you know, the boss hasn't seen you. He's a little concerned. What are you doing or whatever? And I never, I never took offense to that. Right. You know, that's the first thing, because first of all, they're doing a thousand things. Yeah. And there might be a week where we didn't get to sit down and go anywhere. And I tell you, the trap, you know, traveling was one of the big things. And I understand it's very important that everybody knows where everybody's going and how we're using, you know, the taxpayers dollars all the time. And I'd be gone maybe 10 days or whatever, and we haven't seen each other. And, you know, the EA would say, my God, you've been gone. What are you doing? You know, and I'd have it right there. I'd yeah. have a um, script report, and I would make sure that I filled out every one of them. He hadn't read them, of course, because he's busy. Yeah. But as soon as they were asked what I've been doing and who I've been talking to and what have we been talking about, et cetera, et cetera, I was able to not only talk about it, but show documentation, you know, and yeah. who I, you know, who I engaged with. And again, I, I don't think it was, I never felt like I was being um, micromanaged. I just thought it was important, like you said, that everybody knew what I was doing. So nobody ever thought that I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to be yeah. doing. When you start getting, when you start getting to the point where you have a problem with somebody or anybody ask you what you've been doing 
then we have a problem. Yes. If you're feeling defensive at that point. Yeah. Open kimono. Yeah. You can come with me, whatever. You can send folks. You can ask me. Here's my information, blah, blah, blah. So I did the same thing. I did the same thing because sooner or later, the boss's boss was going to ask about something that him and I hadn't talked about or that that it dropped off of, you know, his plate because he knew somebody else was going to catch it. And um, we were, we, and I use that word, we were able to provide documentation, information. This is what's going on with that. He's like, oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, that was me, you know, didn't check on me, but I was holding my own self accountable. And then I think the fleet held me accountable, which, and I was okay with that also, you know, I mean, you're up there with the parking spot. You got this job, and you have all these letters after your name. What are you really doing? Yes. Yep. And I'm coming out to see what you're doing, and how can I help, or how can I not help? But at least I know there's a problem because yes. I couldn't fix everything, and that's reality. I get it. But at least you know they they knew somebody was listening, and I was very honest, like you said earlier. You know, we got this, but I had to be honest sometimes and say, I hear you loud and clear. But I'm going to I'm going to be transparent with you. Yeah, April, that's a great point about, you know, accountability just isn't up to your boss, right? You're accountable in all three directions of leadership, up, down and across. So you're Mm -hmm. accountable to your peers, especially, you know, in the military, whether it's Marine Corps, Coast Guard, you know, whatever service you're you have accountability to the people that you work with, you accountability to the people that work for you too, right? Because they have expectations of you. They might not be written down, but they do have expectations and you've got to be, you know, figure out how to hold yourself to account to them as well. Because if you don't, you know, again, it will reflect in productivity, climate, and then guess what? You're going to be held account from the top down. Because that definitely that definitely will be heard, right? Yeah. And and some of it is chaff. Don't get me wrong. Some of it is chaff, but a lot of it is, you know, we have to ask ourselves. You know, we talked um, earlier, Paul, as we were preparing for this, we talked about looking in the mirror, right? Yeah. And I, I, I still to this day, if anybody ever asks me, even now, you know, when I go somewhere, when I'm doing something, or if I'm going, you know, to talk to somebody, I take a lot of time to make sure that my stuff is straight. You know what I mean? I look myself in the mirror and I I make sure that I'm, you know, what's my motivation? You know, what's my, you know, what are my ulterior motives, if any, or there might not even be any, but you have to ask yourself those questions so you can be real because that's where that, oh my gosh, we're going to use another word, Paul. (laughs) Authentic. You know what I mean? Yes. Yep. I, I, people can read you loud and clear, you yep. know, and um, and and for me, and I'm just saying for me, that it was important that I was on top of my game when I went to go speak to any group. Yeah. And what I mean by that is by my knowledge, how I look, all the above, because, again, the credibility that we carry is a very positive thing. However, it can be lost. And once it's lost, oh, my goodness, with our bosses or with our peers or with those that look up to us. Yeah. And then you're in a bad it's spot. It's hard to get that back. Yeah. So, And that's part of being accountable, making yeah. sure that my own stuff is in check before I start, you know, gallivanting. Yes. <laughs> opening my mouth around the country. That's yeah. how I That's how I did it. And I'm not saying it works for everybody. And I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes. But that worked for me. 
Yes. And I think, uh, you know, back to that sense of accountability starts with self taking ownership, having a positive attitude. If you just get up every day, you know, with that attitude of, hey, I'm going to do the best I can do and I'm going to try to go to bed each night, put my head on the pillow, knowing I put my best effort forward to meet my objective, shape my people in a positive way, knowing that I'm going to make mistakes and I may be held accountable. I think that's the great place to start. So any last thoughts on this topic? It's not easy. I do understand that. It's not easy. And I know that as you, uh, as your podcast goes out to different volumes of groups and organizations, the chief's mess, the, you know, our petty officers, our more senior leaders, we understand we're in some challenging times. But again, I do believe if we all look ourselves in the mirror, I mean, I'm in some challenging times, no matter where you are, the, you know, the world's just going through some stuff right now, whether it's COVID, whether, whatever it is. But I still believe if, if we do right by ourselves first and, and the golden rule, I haven't forgotten about the golden rule and treat others the way that we want to be treated. I know we will get through these challenging times. Own it. If we're wrong, own it. And how are we going to fix it and ask for help to fix it? And um, we're going to get through whatever we need to get through. All right. So that's a great point to end on. Uh, my guest again today has been retired Fleet Mass Chief April Beldo Lilly. Uh, April, thanks again so much for you know, taking some time today to join me on the Cutlass Podcast and helping us reflect. And that's the, the point, right? To reflect on this important concept. Uh, anytime you're willing, ready, and able to come on and do another episode, I'd love to. So good luck with you and your career. And I can't wait to uh, catch up with you in person once we clear through all this stuff. Thanks so much, Paul, for having me. And I, I am really, really um, excited for you and what you're doing for us. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Cutlass Podcast. If you want to learn more about the topic we discussed today or in any other episodes, check out the Chief Petty Officer's Guide or any of the other resources listed in the episode description. To provide me feedback or suggest topics for future episodes, please email me at cutlassleadership at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the Cutlass Podcast on your favorite podcast channel, then like, share, and comment so you can help me get this content out and about. I'm Paul Kingsbury. Work hard to keep your leadership cutlass sharp. Reflect and improve and take what you learn to become a sturdy, versatile, incredible leader who makes a positive difference. Mm-hmm.